0: I think all normal people, when they are on a job, want to be successful at that job. I just think that's a normal way of thinking, right? I don't, surely no right-thinking person goes into a job and says, I'd, I'd like to fail at this job. I'd, I'd like this to be a a total disaster. Nobody does that. Any job, when you enter into a job, you want to be successful in that job. How do you measure success on a job? Well, there might be a lot of ways to do that. Maybe uh, pay raise. Maybe you've been there and done a good job and they give you a pay raise. That's, that's an indication of success. Or maybe if you do an exceptionally good job, maybe you get a promotion. Maybe they, they move you up. Uh, maybe even, you know... Just the very idea that you keep the job year after year is a suggestion that you're being successful on a job. There are measures of success on a job. Tonight I want to talk with you about your job and about success on your job. But it's not the job that you work to make money. This is way more important than that. I want to talk to you tonight about parenting. And so I'm talking to those who are parents... Especially those of you who have children in your home still yet. Some of us are parents, but our, uh, our kids have left home. But for those of you who are parents and still have kids at home, I want to suggest to you this is an incredibly important job. And so we want to talk about how to be successful in this job. That ought to be really important. And in order to do that, I think there are some foundational principles in the Word of God that help to make it so that we can be successful parents. That will be our study for just a few minutes tonight. We thank you for being here. i tell you what, I don't know if you could have drawn up a... Uh, an, uh, uh, specification or placed an order for a more beautiful day than we've had today in Middle Tennessee. It's just been a beautiful, uh, beautiful fall uh, day and a great chance here on the Lord's Day to spend another time together this evening worshiping God. And we're glad that you have chosen to be here to be a part of that. And for those who are visiting with us, we're especially glad that you have come our way. Please come again every time you have a chance to be here. So we want to be successful parents how do you measure success as a parent what's what's the measure of that well again there might be several things that would indicate that you're moving in the right direction you know, uh, you know your kids uh are succeeding at school maybe. Maybe they're making decent grades at school. Maybe they, maybe they graduate from school. Uh, that's a good thing. Not everybody, not every parent accomplishes that. Not every child does that. And so there would be measures of success like that. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, for those of us who are God-fearing people, there's ultimately one test for successful parenting. And that one test is if our children become faithful Christians. That's what we really want for them. That's And, and I, I don't think, really, as we stop to think about it, that we would feel like we had done the job we wanted to do if our kids grew up not to love God, not to be interested in doing His will. We want our children to grow up to be God-fearing people, and I think that's the ultimate test for us. That's the ultimate test of whether or not we have been successful in parenting. So... How do we get there? What what are some of the things that move us to that end goal that we want our children to become faithful servants of God? Again, I think these are foundational principles. uh, And you may be able to add to the list that I'm going to put on the screen tonight. But I think these all certainly are important. First of all, as parents, we need to trust God's plan for the family. God created and established the family. And he has the authority and certainly he has the wisdom to give laws, uh, and guidance that will help us in our relationships within our family. He, God in all things wants what is absolutely best for us. He wants what's best for us, for our kids, for our families. And so he has given instruction and guidance in his word that will help us accomplish that. And we need to trust His plan. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, you remember it says plainly, the Lord commanded us to do all these things, to fear the Lord our God. Notice, for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. This was Moses, of course, in his final remarks to uh, the children of Israel before he passed. And he wanted them to know, when God tells us to do something, it's not just because He's a mean ogre and He wants to... Somehow put upon us impossibly hard challenges that nobody could live up to. No. That's not our God. Our God is a loving God. And when He tells us something, this is a general principle. When He tells us something, it's for our good. And when He tells us something about families, about parents and children, that's for our good. And we need to trust Him and do what He says. And we ought to do what He says, whether we necessarily agree that that's the way i would normally do it or whether or not you can see the wisdom in it or not uh, we need to trust god you remember a very familiar text in second timothy 3 16 and 17 all scriptures given by inspiration of god it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be perfect Thruly furnished unto all good works. The word perfect there is is elsewhere translated as complete. You, everything you need to completely do what you need to do is found in the Word of God. I want to tell you, I think it's particularly scary when you hear parents, even Christian parents, who lean on other sources for instruction and guidance in child rearing. Um, and so they read after some human child psychologist who is... Uh, spelling out a human philosophy of child rearing that is actually contrary to things taught in the Word of God. Uh, for instance, I'll just give you a for instance in this. Human child development psychologists have come along here within, within the last several decades and say, you should not spank your children. Don't spank your children. The Word of God plainly teaches that that's a necessary form of child discipline. It's not the only form of child discipline, but it is a way that God ordains. But you hear Christians sometimes saying, I don't think we should spank our children. Well, where are you getting that? You're not getting that from the Word of God. You're getting that someplace else. The Word of God is complete, and it, it, it will furnish you every good work. It will tell you everything you need to know about everything that you need to be doing, and it will tell you everything you need to know about parenting And we just simply need to trust God's plan in that. So first first rule for us as parents, trust God's plan. God is ultimately wise. Strive for the ideal. Uh, We should really strive to make our families as close to the ideal as we possibly can. Now, the contrast to that would be searching for loopholes and exceptions whereby we can make excuses for our shortcomings and failings. Well, uh, this isn't exactly the way I want it, but it's just the best I can do in this, in this circumstance. In other words, making excuses for ourselves not to be aiming at the mountaintop. Making excuses for ourselves not to do the very best that we can do as parents. No, don't do that strive for the ideal, strive to be all you can be as a parent. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talked about himself as an individual. You know this text. Paul said, not as though I already attained, either were already perfect. Paul said, I'm not there yet, I'm not perfect. But I, let me tell you now why I'm not perfect. This and this happened, and it, it goes back to some things that happened in the past. And I know it's not ideal, but it, uh, if you knew the circumstances I was dealing with, You'd understand why I can't, why I can't make it to perfection. That's not what he said. He said, I'm not already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul said, I'm not making excuses. I am striving for the mark. I'm trying my best to be all that I can be. Now, that, that's certainly, and we almost always apply that concept to us as individual Christians, right? But I think you'll see that that would also be an applicable notion for us as parents and in our families. We're not perfect, but that's what we want. That's what we're striving for. Strive for the ideal, In our families. If you're going to be a successful parent. You're going to have to develop your own character first. You are simply not going to make your kids be what you are not. Okay? Is that plain enough? As a, a, maybe an example of that. Think in your own mind. Think in your own mind of the percentage of kids that are stronger Christians than their parents were. Now, that happens. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. That absolutely can happen. And we, we know plenty of cases where it is true of kids who grew up to be stronger Christians than their parents were. But what's the percentage chance of that? That's what I'm asking. The percentage chance of that is pretty low. The higher percentage chance is that Christians are going to be less, I mean, excuse me, children are going to be less strong than their parents were. And so if you're not a strong Christian, then your kids are probably going to be less strong than that. And what we're saying in all of that is that you need to develop your character. The best thing that you can do, I really believe this, that the best thing that you can do for your kids is to be the best Christian you can possibly be. Develop your own character first. In Titus chapter 2, beginning verse 7, Paul said to Titus, again, not talking about a family situation here, but just a general principle for, for a Christian that applies to our families. Show, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Make yourself a pattern. Well, I don't want anybody to pattern after me. I I definitely don't want my kids to pattern after me. i got all kinds of flaws. Uh, well, you may say that. But the fact of the matter is they are going to pattern after you, right? Whether you want them to or not, they're going to pattern after you. So make yourself a positive pattern. They will pattern after you. You need to be aware of that. And therefore, you need to be setting the very best example you possibly can. Develop your own character first. Understand and accept parental accountability. Uh, This is no one else's job. This is your job. Parenting your children is your job exclusively. And nobody else is going to be able to do that for you. You have to accept that responsibility. And you have to understand you'll be accountable for how you fulfilled that job i've told you before uh, about a situation that existed uh, when we were in knoxville tennessee there was this family and they had a boy he was he was teenage 16 17 years old but he had zero interest in spiritual things at least that was the clear appearance but his parents weren't very faithful either. I mean, they, they were very minimal in attendance and they just didn't get involved in the things that were, that were going on. And their son had less interest than they had. And, he, and he, they, Finally, the dad said to me, you know what? If the elders don't do something, they're going to lose that boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> they, he was putting the responsibility on the elders of the church to rear his son to have Christian values. No. Oh. Now, the elders of the church, the members of the church, the Bible classes at church—those can all be efficient aids in helping you as a parent. But it's your job, and nobody else is going to do that job. You need to understand that and accept that responsibility. Uh, it's your job, and you will be held accountable. And you—and you can do it. You can do the right job. Uh, regardless of whatever circumstances may be in your specific situation, you can do this job. You need to understand and accept that responsibility. We often talk about this example in 1 Samuel 3. You remember young Samuel was serving the elderly judge Eli. And God spoke to Samuel to convey a message to Eli. Eli. So here's young Samuel, and God speaks to him to tell Sam to tell Eli rather that he had not done his job as a parent. In 1 Samuel 3, verse 11, the Lord said to Samuel, "Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth." Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. God said, I will judge his house. And the reason why, his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. I'm going to judge Eli and his house because he's done a miserable job as a father. Isn't that something? I mean, I don't know how how you get around that. Certainly that stresses the idea of parental accountability. Eli who in many aspects seemed to be a good man of God. But in this respect, he was a miserable failure and God was holding him accountable. He knew his sons were ungodly men and he did nothing to restrain them from that conduct. God said, I'm going to judge his house forever because of what he has done and how he has failed. That idea of parental responsibility understand it 's your job, and you have to accept that responsibility. I think sometimes unfortunately, parents want to dodge that. I remember an episode we had here at Cosby many years ago. The elders asked me to teach uh, a class on parenting. We had at that time we had some some situations we had some teenagers who weren't doing very well, uh, and so the elders asked every parent who had children. 8 18 or something to attend this. They, it was, they didn't just leave it optional. They, they specifically asked parents who had kids in this age uh, group to attend this class. You know, some parents got mad about that. They didn't appreciate that. I wonder, is it, was it this reason that they just didn't want to deal with their parental accountability? Now, I'm glad to say that's not the case here at all anymore. In fact, I've been asked frequently by different ones, teach on parenting, teach on parenting. Uh, and I think our parents w- want uh, that kind of information, that kind of help and instruction from the Word of God. And I'm certainly grateful for it. You've got to understand and accept your parental accountability. To be successful in this relationship, you have to be unselfish. You know, I really believe that so many of our interpersonal problems are rooted in selfishness. Uh, it, it could be any relationship we have. It could be just with anybody or anybody in our family, husbands and wives. But I tell you, parents and children, parents need to be unselfish. Parenting is a hard work. And you're going to have to sacrifice and give up things in order to do the job that needs to be done. You need to be unselfish. Be a servant to others. And in this case, be a servant to your children. Serve them rather than self. You have to be unselfish. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it describes Jesus Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, of course, is the, the perfect and ultimate example of selflessness. And we need to be like him. And I tell you, as parents, it's it, it's going to be really necessary. You're going to have to give up things. And, and I'm not just talking you know, you, you read those statistics all the time about how much money it costs to raise a child from birth through uh, school and all of that. Well, there's financial sacrifice. There's no doubt about that. But that's, I think, not not even significant compared to the, the real kinds of sacrifices that need to be made if you're going to raise your children successfully. You've got to be unselfish. Be constantly on guard against the world's influence. Now, here's something I really want to stress. Be constant, Constantly on guard, against the world's influence. Satan uses the influence of the world as one of his most effective and powerful tools. The influence of the world, really pervasive. It's all around us. And the influence of the world is a subtle thing. It's not like someone marches in and says, I'm a really bad person and I'm here to steal your kids away and make bad people out of them. Oh, yeah. Well, if he did that, I'd stand up to him immediately. I'd get in his face. He's not getting my kids. He'd march in my house and say he's going to take my kids from me. He's not going to do that. The world doesn't work that way. The sinful world is subtle. And it just chips away a little at a time. And if we're not constantly on guard, then the world will get our kids. This has to be countered. The influence of the world has to be countered by full awareness and always watching In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, you know this verse well. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walk about seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom he may devour. Uh, Let's put in there your kids. He's seeking to devour your kids. Would that be fair? Would that be a fair application of that? It would be, wouldn't it? He's seeking to devour your kids. What do you do? You be sober. You be vigilant. You be constantly watching. That's what you gotta do. If you're just bumbling along, unaware of the dangers that are around for you and your kids, He's got you. He's got you. you you're never gonna make it. You have to be constantly aware that Satan is at work, and He's working through the pervasive, sinful, world that we live in, to influence our kids uh, and, and to steal them away from us, be constantly on guard against the world's influence. I would suggest to you that proactive, deliberately planned and diligent effort is required. Do you understand the, the notion of being proactive? Proactive is in contrast to reactive, right? So, if you, if you're reactive, you wait for something to happen and then you react to it, right? You wait for something to happen, then you do something because of what's happened. That's reactive. Proactive means that you are out in front of this thing. That you're planning out strategies for helping your kids to grow and to mature into godly people. You gotta be proactive and you gotta be, you gotta plan this. Uh, You gotta put forth real diligent effort. This goes to the text that Caleb read for us earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, that's the, that, that whole book of Deuteronomy is sort of Moses' farewell address to the children of Israel. And he says, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now, that, that's a pretty easy to understand passage, I think. It sounds like... You need to make this a priority and you need to do this every day. This is something you constantly need to be working. Make a plan and follow it every day. And I would say, yeah, that's what we need to do as parents. You need to be proactive with deliberately planned effort and really working hard at it. Finally. And I, as I said earlier, I think you can expand this list. I'm not saying this is an all-inclusive list, but finally, I want to suggest this. Instill spiritual values in your children and help them to accept the necessity of being different. Uh, we, make, we make decisions, all of us do. We make decisions based upon what our values are, right? What, what, are, your, what are your values, and whether you've ever sat down to write out your values or not, you, you, you in your mind have things that serve as your base. And then you make your decisions on those things. Everybody does that. So what are your baseline values that you want to instill in your kids? If you want your kids to make good decisions, because we make decisions based upon our values, right? Right. If you want your kids to make good decisions, you have to give them the values to do so. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the values of the world that we were just talking about, the evil world. You've got to give your kids godly values, uh, so that they can make right decisions. In First John chapter two, beginning verse fifteen, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." You know what's wrong with worldly values and decisions based based on worldly values? The world passes away. If that's your, if that's your Principles and values upon which you're making decisions. You're making decisions about things that will not last. But if you make your values about serving God and doing His will. If you make your values about spiritual things. Then you're making decisions that will lead to an eternity of bliss. Which do you want for your kids? They're going to make their decisions based upon the values you instill on them in them. You want them to make their decisions toward things that won't last? Or you want to make their decisions toward things that are eternal in nature? The world passes away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Just earlier today, someone sent me some statistics that I thought sort of illustrate this point. There is a .0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. I get that. That's not 1% chance. That's not one-tenth of 1% chance. That's like two one-hundredths of a percent chance that your child will become a professional athlete. In contrast to that, there is a 100% chance that your child will stand before the Lord in judgment. (laughs) Okay? Think about that. There's almost a zero chance that your child is going to become a a professional athlete. But what do some parents do? They make that the be-all and end-all. It's all about, you know, my kids' sports endeavors. Well, that's fine. We enjoy sports. But people sacrifice spiritual things for that. When they're, it's not going anywhere, it's passing away. Even if they were to become a professional athlete, it's passing away. But they're not going to. I'm going to tell you, they're not going to become a professional athlete. But people make their decision, and what and and they instill that in their children as a value to be pursued over the value of serving God and doing His will. So, what do you, what choices are you going to make? What values you're going to instill? We need to instill godly values in our children and then we need to help them understand that when they live like god wants them to live they're going to be different in this world in first peter chapter 4 verse 4 it says they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot speaking evil of you when we live like god wants us to live the people of the sinful world around us are going to say you're strange that's strange You're different. You're weird. You, You are some sort of religious fanatic, I guess. Okay. That's okay. The Lord told us to expect that. And we've got to help our kids realize that they're going to be labeled that way too. If you're living right, you're not going to be popular in this world. You're going to be considered strange, odd, weird. Help our kids accept that reality. Instead of that, I've actually heard Christian parents who say, I don't want my kids to be different. What? Really? Study up the statistics. I'm not even going to cite them for you. You can find them so easily. Study up the statistics about the average teenager in America and the kind of things that they do. It's scary. The kind of things that the average teenager in America does is completely scary. You, you seriously tell me you don't want your kids to be different than that? I want to tell you, we should hope and pray our kids are different than that. Our kids have got to be taught that living for God is not going to be popular. It's not, they're not, it's not the common thing. It's the unusual thing. People will think it's strange. Help your kids to accept that. Help them accept the fact that they must be different if they're going to be right with God. Well, as I said, I think you can probably expand this list somewhat, but I, I, I really believe that these are some foundational principles that will lead us to successful parenting. It's your job. You wanted kids. You got kids. Now you've got a job on your hands. Do the job. Do it well. It's so important. There's not anything more important. There's no other job that you'll be assigned more important than that. Do it well. We'll be praying for you. It's it's such a challenge in this present world. We want to be successful with our kids. Thanks for listening tonight. As we bring the lesson to a close, we'll sing a song of invitation. This has not been the kind of lesson that motivates obedience to the gospel, obviously. But it may be someone here made that determination in their heart. And they want to obey the gospel even tonight. We're anxious to assist you. we would be glad to study with you. If you need the prayers of the saints, let us know how we can help while we stand and sing.